Hello and welcome to the Game of Inches podcast. It is your host, MHC, your commissioner, and I'm coming at you with episode number two. And episode number two this year features none other than Gorilla coming back for a second time and McGee, first time joining us on the podcast. Gentlemen, how are you? Let's start with McGee. Oh, I'm terrific. I'm on a two-game win streak and I'm enjoying hanging out here with Gorilla and MHC, so I'm, I'm perfect right now. McGee's season is turning up, is what you're telling me. I think there's some good things happening. Is that what you're you're trying to you're trying to tell me to start this podcast off? Extremely, extremely cross. But I maybe. I mean, it looks like it's getting better. I think I know what I'm doing now a bit more. I, I don't try to scramble with golf if that's what you're asking. What is golf speed anyway? Does he give you an advantage running with the ball? If there's open lanes, he can get he can actually get them, which is pretty nice. And he's not like a statue, but he's certainly not what I'm used to at all. So it's definitely you know. An adaption. All right. And what about Gorilla? What's going on with you? Top 28 Gorilla here. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, my season uh, is basically gone as exactly how I've expected it to. Uh, I mean, I did predict in the last one that Flap would win the division year one. But uh, five and three is actually maybe even a little bit better than I would have thought uh, with this roster. But every game is just going to be a grind. <laughs> So we'll see as we go. Uh, Grill, I have a question for you. Who's more of an athlete, you or Nate Solder? Me or Nate Solder? Yeah. Um, well, I'm going to go out on a limb and say I can run faster than him. Okay. Um, we'll have to look at the squat and bench numbers, though. I don't know if uh, – What is your squat know, number yeah. at? What do you think you're squatting right now at this point? I actually just hit 500 uh, last wow. week. Wow. So. That is impressive. Well, I'm going to if I can find out what Nate Solder does. Yeah, this is the next thing. We want to make sure we, we pull up his numbers and do a side-by-side comparison. We need a 40-yard 40, 40 dash, too. I, I, I probably wouldn't run anything better than like a 4.85 right now, really? if I'm being honest. Oh, nice. Maybe that's being generous, too, probably, honestly. I don't know. I Bro, how, many, in a while. how many times do you think you bench 225? Uh, probably like 22, 23. Soldier only got 21 at the draft, so you might be better. Yeah. He's six foot. Well, he's literally a whole foot taller than me, basically. I'm like 5'10", like barely. So and you're like 6'8". You're bigger, he? you're stronger, you're more athletic, you're quicker. What else can't you do better than him? Really anything, right? Uh, Maybe you're not getting paid um, millions. You're not getting paid $17 million a year. Yeah, he makes but... about a million times what I make. So, I mean, <laughs> I can't say shit. He, he wins. <laughs> oh, you're making some good money then if he's making a million times more than what you're making. I like that. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Well, gentlemen, like I said, I'm very appreciative that you're able to join us tonight for our second episode of Madden 21. We will be coming at you every single Sunday moving forward as we continue to um, deliver some great sound content with you. Um, we got some really exciting stuff coming down the pipeline in the next few weeks. Um, I have a very exciting uh, video show that we're going to be doing um, every probably about two to three weeks in the Madden League. It's going to be very hype. It's going to be very exciting. I can't wait to do it. So that'll be coming down the pipeline in the next little bit. Uh, but today we might as well start talk, talking about what's happened in AGS over the first um, eight weeks of the season. We're in the middle of week eight. Advances tomorrow night. We advance to week nine. It's been um, an interesting go so far in the season. Our first podcast is two weeks ago. And at that time, we only had two games played. Very little really to know what was going to happen the rest of the way. And we're starting to see the divisions shape up, shake out in different unique ways. Some things a little bit surprising, some things so uh, not so much. So let's start with McGee. McGee, 
Of all the things that have happened so far in AGS, we're looking at the standings, the results, teams. What is the most surprising thing to you when you look at those standings? I was surprised that Afedo's doing so well in year one. Like I knew he'd be good, but six and one and like how he's winning, I was really surprised by that because he was always a guy that had like pocket passers too. So I didn't think he would like really viable with that Patriots roster, but he's doing a really good job this year. So I would say that'd be my thing. Nice. So we got Afedo and Germ tied for top of the AFC, both with six and one records. Um, they look like the two best teams right now. We could obviously throw um, guys like Gom in that mix in that conversation as well. Um, but those two are the, the top teams right now at six and one in the AFC. Gorilla, same question to you. Biggest surprise through almost eight weeks. Biggest surprise is the uh, Ravens at three and four. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I was thinking to myself, I, like, I who are the Ravens? From you, man. <laughs> I expected better from you with that roster, man. Uh, I, I, is it is it just a um, getting used to using Lamar properly, or is it you what's know, the main he's flipped the script Jesus no you know what I think it's a little bit of things I'm struggling and I think a lot of people are with how to use Lamar Jackson I've never had a running quarterback and you know there's certain things that he does really well that I need to do more of like he throws on the run more I feel like I gotta work more of that into my offense his play action pass is really becoming quite devastating and I'm still working to see what plays, you know, really can make him maximize his ability. So I'm really hoping that with some more trial and error through the season, I'm going to get better with him. Like I'm still practicing the RPO, still running the option and all those things got to get a little bit more tight and crisp. Um, but honestly, this year, I just can't stop anyone on defense. So I'm not even sure it's, it's really my offense. It's really my defense, which I don't understand how Madden plays defense this year. But anyway, that's just my two cents. Well, I mean, luckily your division is still super winnable. You got you at three and four. You got Tank. I mean, Sinax at three and four, and uh, and yeah, I mean, you guys are still fighting for that division title. So I mean, it's wide open. And you know what? Now Mustang has won a few games, so he's two and six. So that division is uh, again. It's I I think it's competitive. I think all um I think everybody in our in our division has been fairly competitive. Samuel had a very competitive game with me. He's passing the ball well. I think the one thing you can't write off about this Madden, and maybe you both can agree or disagree. I think when you look at the numbers and you say what is happening with around the league, I think there's a lot of surprises in the fact that maybe people that struggled last Madden are now successful and they're now being able to do things. So I think that's exciting. The fact that we're getting a little bit of a parity in turning things around. I think you're. Right. I think a lot of guys who are really user talented are like getting shaken up a bit because it takes quite a, a lot to get used to twenty one versus twenty. Like it's altogether different in terms of how you use your defense and stuff. Like D line using last year was not worth doing at all, but now it's actually. I wouldn't say the go to strategy, but it definitely helps a lot because if you don't use it, your pass rush just doesn't exist. It's just nothing. Mm-hmm. No, I think absolutely. I think that it's a changing in terms of not just being now a roaming middle linebacker and being able to find that. You know, it's it's a different. It's different how it plays out essentially. Uh, Gorilla, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I mean, if going back to the parity thing, it's it's really interesting to see how tight some of these division races are. Uh, it's, it's, it's considering we're at literally the halfway point now. Um, like you look at some of the, there's a couple of really stacked divisions too. Obviously, in the NFC, you got the North and the South. Like both of those right now look pretty crazy when you just look at the win totals. Because in the NFC North, you got three teams with five wins. The NFC South, you also got three teams with five wins. 
Um, and everyone who thought my division was going to be a cakewalk, you got Flap six and one, me five and three, Skittles at four and four, and Smithy at three and five. So, sorry, who who called out two weeks ago Skittles being the most improved coach? I'm pretty that sure was that you. was me. I, I said that he was yep. going to be the most improved coach, and I played Skittles. He beat me. Um, I ran into some issues with some drop passes and some other stuff, but no, he legit played a great game. His defense was good. Like Skittles is, he's good. I, I love it. I love the yep. fact that, that he's competitive division. And I will tell you that whole division is fantastic. And I'll be the first to admit um, Flappy is six and one. He's having a wonderful season. His only loss was against me. And we were actually, we dropped in the first quarter. It was a, I think it was a 14, six game or something when we dropped. Um, and I ended up winning the restart on that game. But uh, it was competitive as well. So Flappy being 6-1 and one with that Washington team. Now, granted, we, we've talked about the defense, how loaded they are, especially in the front seven. Uh, but that's impressive too. Like that, again, that division is really, really good. Uh, McGee, what do you think about the division so far? Skittles curb stomped me. It was, it was horrible. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe the worst game man I've ever played, or at least like had inflicted upon me. Like I couldn't do anything. I think it was like 40-7 to seven at one point. Mm-hmm. It was really ugly. So Skittles is very, very improved, and he's got a good team. And I think you're right. There's not a there's not a team in that division that isn't capable of making a playoff run. Like I don't know how deep they can go, but like obviously you have Flap and Gorla who are like contenders. But even Smithy and Skittles can. I think they can go pretty far too, especially with the teams they have. They have two of the most stacked teams for this year because mm-hmm. like the Eagles and Cowboys are always like that. So I think very tough division. I think you also just got to write off the fact that. You know, what we thought we knew about Madden 20 is just not true of Madden 21. Like, everybody is competitive here. And the fact that, you know, all the games are tight. You do have some blowouts still happening, but I think collectively you're just seeing hopefully more tighter games. And I think you're seeing people that maybe, as I said, struggled, that are improving. I just You're seeing a lot of good things happening, which I think I'm really excited about when I look over how the league is playing out. You know, the NFC has been very exciting from, you know, Gorillas Division, the NFC East. The NFC North, which has just been a, a gauntlet of Packers, Vikings, and Lions just, you know, trying to kill each other. And Darth, you know, uh, the one thing I said to Darth is Darth is he's committed and the fact that he's only going to get better. We talked about it in the podcast two weeks ago. Playing against those people every single time against six games of your year is going to make you a better player. So I think Darth's going to improve as the season goes on. I think you're going to see a lot of improvements collectively as more people get more games under their belt. I'd agree with that 100%. I think Darth is uh... – He's interesting too because he's trying a bunch of different stuff. So you, when you play him, you see stuff you don't ordinarily see. Like he runs a lot of bootlegs, a lot of that kind of stuff where you don't ordinary. You're not expecting it because no one else does it. But he's trying everything. So he'll do trick plays and bootlegs, that kind of stuff, or that halfback motion cross screen, that kind of stuff. So he's an interesting player. I think you. I think he's getting a lot better every week. The the speaking of uh, in terms of how the NFC is shaping out, and maybe we can get some insight from both of you since you're both NFC coaches. I want to talk a little bit about the NFC South. So we got the Saints, the Falcons, the Bucks, and the and the Panthers. The Bucks, Falcons, and Saints all have five wins right now. Bucks are five and three, so they've lost one more game, but they have a brand new coach. Their coach um, had a fairly strong opening game against Gorilla. Gorilla can maybe speak to that game a little bit. I know Barkley got hurt in terms of how that played out, but I I'm pretty excited to see how those three teams play out. And I think Mike obviously with that Panthers team is only going to get better the more he develops and it improves. So I love what I'm seeing from the NFC South. I don't know, Gorilla, can you speak to what you saw from the Bucks and some of the other teams? Jumped out to a very early, uh, strong lead against me. And then with Barkley going down, it was kind of a disaster. 
And of course, I choked the game away <laughs> inside the 10 yard line with Daniel Jones fumbling to tie it up. But uh, I still think he's a very good coach, though. And I think he's going to win a lot of games in this league. Uh, of course, like playing him and never playing him before, I did not know what to expect. But I think he's going to be a contender to win that division uh, this year, especially with that roster that he's got. They're just loaded between, like, again, all the offensive weapons. He looks like he makes good decisions passing the ball. Um, I think it's going to be a really tough go. I think that division is going to be a real bloodbath as they move forward. And, you know, I got to credit MG often too. MG is like slowly trying to keep the Saints competitive while acknowledging the fact he's more cap screwed than maybe any other team in the league where he's had to trade away, you know, his left tackle, his starting free safety. He's had to cut a lot of players that are talented and still manage to be in competitive mode. Now, granted, the Saints roster is still loaded, but that's not easy to be able to rebuild on the fly and also stay competitive. There were a couple of guys last year who, for the first half of the the season, I guess you call it, of Madden 20, they weren't great. And then the second half, they really came online and did really well. Like Flap would be one of them. MG was one of those guys too, but he dropped out of the league there. So we never got to experience that. But I know that, I think it was his last season before he quit. He was like 11 and two. And I know Velasco was scared of him enough that he was going to play his starters with no reason to, just to knock him out of the playoffs. So (laughs) MG's guy that I think is is someone that is really going to be a consistent top five coach for 21. Mm-hmm. Like, I think people are surprised by it because they haven't seen him after he, you know, came into his own, but he's a really, really good coach. And he runs his cover six defense as well as anybody I've ever seen. Like he runs it perfectly. And let's be honest. I love the fact that brothers get to fight each other and play twice a season. Oh, I, yeah, that's um, You know, in the first game, MG won 16 to 15 over Mike, really tight game. So you, you think you flip that game over and now all of a sudden the Panthers are, four and three the uh obviously the um uh the the uh the saints would be four and three as well so it just changes the outcome pretty significantly as how it's playing out so um yeah it's it's been exciting looking at how that division is going to shake out um mcgee let's talk a little bit about your what's going out west um you got the 49ers sitting atop of you coach seymour sitting in first place you've managed to rattle off a few wins after a, a slow start but you seem to figure things out jared goff right now is leading the league in passing yards He's got 13 TDs, 14 INTs, and uh, well, 2,200 yards. So tell me a little bit about what you're seeing from your team and what are you hoping to do in the second half of the season? Most of the time, that my, I have a lot of turnovers this year. Like I think Goff has 14 interceptions, like you said. And I think Cam Akers has five fumbles. And what's really a backbreaker is if you – I haven't done the stats, this, but if you look – I swear, at least half of them come inside the 10-yard line. Not even the red zone, but like the 10-yard line. Like Cam Akers had two fumbles at the – one yard line. Goff had an end zone take it from the two last week. So they're a really talented team that I do a lot of stupid stuff with. So I'm trying to like slowly figure out how to use them. So I think I'm getting a little bit better. But Seymour is still the easy favorite for this division, especially because he's his team is so stacked. Like he has three starting quarterbacks on his roster right now, which is really hard to compete with. Because when I like I said, I played him I think week six, and I played well enough on defense to get Hurts uh, benched, and then he brought in Kaepernick and then Jimmy G. So it's, he's tough to play against because he's a really good player. And he's, like I said, his team is super, super talented. And the fact but, that he just added Alvin Kamara to his team is just going to oh, make yeah, that. I got like, before he did that too. So like, I think the next game is going to be a lot more of a blowout. Yeah, it's... But uh, Gorilla it, beat him. It's crazy. Just the difference of what we're seeing here 
how it's all playing out is just totally a different uh, situation here. And yeah, Gorilla, maybe you can speak to what you've seen from those teams out west if you played any of them. Uh, from which one, sorry? The uh, out west uh, going the NFC West there with uh, uh, Seymour, I... McGee, or anything else? Oh, right, I did play Seymour. Uh, so see, mine and Seymour's game, I did get up to an early lead of fourteen to nothing. Uh, unfortunately, it ended up being a uh, forced win after his game uh, crashed. But uh, I haven't played the other ones uh, yet. But um, oh wait, no, I did play McGee. Right? Yeah, we don't talk about that one though. <laughs> right. That's I, the I one. I didn't deserve it, so I'm just going to not mention it either because I'm going like to brag about it. <laughs> you know what I should have done was uh, fell on the one-yard line again. Ooh. You should have. Like, you really should have. That would have been the move because you only needed to take five more seconds off and you would have won. It was crazy. So let's I – will, I, Go ahead. I will say this. If, well, here. Why did you run cover three, though? Because me and Jenga were talking about that. Like, what was your idea there? Like, did you have like, a strategy? That was literally just a, a screw-up on my part, honestly. I'll take it. Yeah. I anyway, mean, well, but hey, whatever. We've had a lot of close games. One was bound to to go that way, so I, I can't I'm be mad one about seven it. I, I didn't beat him with my Vikings last year. I'll tell you that much. So, so when we we look at collectively, I'm kind of before we move to the AFC, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, the stats that are kind of playing out so far as the season goes. We look at the quarterback position. There's a lot of um, you know, even though we've mentioned the interception slider being a little lower than. Um, what it normally would be. We're seeing a lot of INTs. We're seeing Baker Mayfield's got 25, Josh Allen 23, Carr 22, Herbert 20. Um, lots of guys with, um, with you know, quite a few um, inter- interceptions right now in terms of how it's playing out. So what I'm asking you in terms of how we're seeing of the quarterback play so far, what is really jumping out at you? And Miggy, we'll start with you right now. I'm talking to uh, oh uh, <laughs> yeah, so I think the biggest thing with the quarterback play this year is that it's really like almost depth perception. I feel like most of my interceptions, and I feel like most people have the same problem, especially on stuff like curl routes where you think the guy is open and then the corner just closes so much ground quickly. Like that's what most of my interceptions are. That kind of stuff. So I think at this point, it's the person you can throw a lot of interceptions still play well at quarterback. And I think you look at someone like Sinax, he does that a lot, where he'll have like a ton of interceptions but a ton of touchdowns too. So I think as people get farther into the season, those interceptions will drop off a lot because it's not really like crazy tip drills. It's mostly just not being used to how much ground the defenders can cover, at least in my opinion. Okay, so like you're just, someone, you just wait, you to wait. So what you're seeing out, you just it's it's a different game, so you got to adjust to how that's playing out. Exactly, and I think a lot of people have figured out. Like Gorilla, I don't think he's thrown, what have you thrown? Like one interception, in Gorilla? Uh, five now, unfortunately. I think eleven <laughs> touchdowns and five picks. So- so how, how did the, how did you get the five picks? Because you were on a roll. I remember we started the podcast. You were no INT, uh, Mr. I had, Jones. Uh, a couple of tipped ones. I know that. Uh, you know how the tipped ones yep. go. Um, but it was uh, – I threw two late in that game against the Bucks last game uh, just for me. I, believe it or not, I ran the ball 12 times. I barely got, hit the 10 because Barkley was down. I was scared to run him. I passed like 40 times. And, you know, that's not my style of play, obviously. So – it, it was working to a degree. I came back and put myself in a position to send it to overtime, but of course I'm still not used to doing that. So I did force a couple of balls and threw a couple of picks. Uh, and it was good usering as well by the uh, uh, salty as well. So I can't be mad at that, but that's where some of those picks came from. If I, if I stick to my normal game plan, I'm not going to throw many. The, the, thing, the, the thing I'm really most curious to see how it plays out is 
when you look at the stats across the board, much of people have talked about, you know, quarterback pressure, trying to get pressure on the quarterback, getting sacks. When you look at the sack numbers across the league, it's very interesting to look at, you know, what quarterbacks have managed to stay upright the longest. And there's some interesting things that jump out at me. For one, you have quarterbacks like Sam Darnold. He's been taken down 23 times this season, um, which is, again, a league high. We've got Ben Roethlisberger with 20, Kyler Murray with 20. And all the way down at the bottom, we've got guys like Drew Brees, who has been sacked just two times this entire year. Dak Prescott three times, Matt Stafford four times. That's incredible that guys have been able to avoid that kind of pressure and get rid of the ball that quickly. Both of you have been sacked 17 times. I am up near the high teens as well. Um, How do you explain the fact that some of us are having more trouble, you know, maintaining protection? Is it the offensive line or just some people getting are better at getting rid of the ball? A lot of it's schedule you play too. Like I, when you play, I don't know what the schedules look like, but, uh, if you play the NFC East, for example, you're going to get a lot more sacks on you because you play the Eagles D-line and the Cowboys have a Lawrence and stuff. So that's a big part of it. But I will say that I think, going back to the interception point, one of the things that I think will drop off with interceptions too is that throwing out of sack. I feel like I get those a lot now where I think I'm going to get sacked, so I hit, I panic and hit the button, mm-hmm. and I get tackled, and I launch a duck up in the air. I, I don't know if anyone else does that too, but like I yeah. feel like that's a huge problem for me right now. So they kind of relate like that. So it'd be interesting to see how many interceptions does Drew Brees have. Like, is he just getting the ball out quicker when they come? So Drew Brees right now has thrown 17 touchdowns to eight picks. So he's having a he's having a pretty good TD to INT ratio when you consider that it is Madden and AGS. And so the numbers are always going to be a little bit erratic. There's only a handful of guys that really are quite positive. Mahomes is 19 and 11. Um, Rosen 17 and 6. Brees 17 and 8. 16 and 7 for Rodgers. Um, Drew Locke, 15 and four. That's probably the best in the league. A um, few other guys have less than that. So it, it's shaping out kind of interesting to see how that you know plays it across the league. I want to transition a little bit to the AFC because I do want to keep our commitment here and try to keep it around half an hour. Um, let's start the AFC. Let's start with Germ. I think Germ is our inevitable front runner right now. He is. Uh, he currently has the MVP of AGS on his team right now. He's got Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor has McGee. Do you want to take a guess how many TDs he has without looking? Yes, thirteen. Seventeen. There you go. That's that's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, is that that's that's just insane? His level of production. He's like double the next closest guy, right? Like I think the next one's like Barkley with eight or something, right? All you have to picture is me right now as the Arthur closed fist meme. That's that's you at this point. You're just you're 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 perceiving that to because be absolutely ridiculous. I, 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 Barkley is in second, a hundred yards behind, and at least like four or five touchdowns behind. Five, yeah, at least, yeah. And Taylor's averaging eight and a half yards on the ground. Oh eight my. and a half. Like that's he is shredding the competition. I don't maybe you guys can help me. I have to play him next week. I have to play Germ next week. I don't know. What that's going to look like. Granted, I have uh, Campbell up front. I believe he got a speed upgrade on on Jonathan Taylor. And he's I think he's gotten two of them or something now. I think he's at 95 speed or something. It is stupid how fast. uh, Like, I don't know. Jonathan Taylor just dominating the league has just got me so frustrated. It's got me so (laughs) frustrated. But I guess it is what it is. You can't do much about it. It's just ridiculous. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the AFC. Um, McGee, let's get your analysis first. We've got, as I mentioned before, we're currently playing out with the um, the six and one Colts atop the uh, AFC. We've got a Fedo at six and one. 
We've got Gom at five and two. We've got Josh at five and two. And those are really your your top um, four teams right now. What are you seeing from those top four teams at this point? I think Gom has a better chance of taking that. Well, obviously, we assume that Germ's the favorite, not because he's you know like our four-time champion of last year, whatever it was, but also because with Jonathan Taylor. And I think Gom matches up really well because the bottom line is, even if you're as good at running the ball as Germ is, if the other guy can score much faster than you, eventually it works out for the passing-heavy team. So Gom is one of the few players I think could actually match up really well with him. Afedo's good too, but Afedo's built more around stopping the pass, although is really good at ground control. So it's kind of a toss-up, but I think Germ's still the heavy favorite, at least in my opinion. All right. Um, Gorilla, when you look at how that's playing out with the top four, what do you think in there? I have a similar opinion. Uh, I think at this point it's between uh, uh, Germ and Gom, um, with the third possibly being Josh. Um, I do like Afedo, and I think he's one of the best defensive coaches in the league. Um, I just don't think he has the roster to match up with uh, teams like the Chiefs and, and the Colts. Well, it's not even just the Colts roster. It's just Jerm with Taylor. But <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, to be able to match up with those with those rosters, I think Afeta will need at least a couple seasons, maybe even as soon as next season. Because uh, the user skills, no one doubts that, but it's just his roster at this point. When you're seeing the AFC East play out, you've got the Bills, you've got the Jets, you've got the Dolphins. Are you surprised anything else playing out there? The Jets and the Dolphins are struggling right now, but they have the weakest rosters in that division. What do you think of Maloney right now in the Bills at 4-4? Four and four? Is that a surprise, or is that where you thought they'd be, Gorilla? I think he had a bit of a rough start, so um, uh, it's nice to see that he's kind of bounced back because he has shown flashes in, in Madden 20. I, mean, I, think, I think I believe he did make an NFC Championship game one year, and he smacked me in the playoffs that year. Um, so it's good to see him bounce back, uh, to what we would normally see from him. But I think, uh, I mean, he could definitely develop that team into quite an amazing, like it already is a pretty good roster. It's probably the best roster in the division. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him actually sneak into a wild card spot, uh, in the AFC as well. Girl, I have to ask you, are you doing laundry behind you? Oh my god! Can you hear that? <laughs> it's like, I hear this like oh, ding, ding. It's like this funny. I'm like I just. Uh, oh my god! It's so funny. I just hear, oh, like, one second. I'm, I'm gonna like... close the laundry, the laundry door. <laughs> I can see this residual thing. Optimize your time. Yeah, it's so good. It's it's amazing. No, he's he's maximizing. Hey, when this guy is at the gym all the time, he's going through clothes constantly. So I get the fact the dryer is going to be on twenty four seven because he's uh, just constantly oh. getting clothes going. <laughs> Hopefully, it's better. <laughs> what is your what is your favorite um workout clothes like if you were sponsored by somebody what would be your workout clothes choice sponsored by a company yeah oh I, I think i got like two that that i that i wear the most one would be nike okay uh the other would be alpha elite i alpha think those elite. two those I'm not are familiar with like, that one it's they specifically make like gym clothes okay fair enough um so like Nike obviously makes like has a much wider range, but right, hmm. yeah. Let's check that out. Get a little sponsorship and get a little uh, connection here for AG. Under Armour's gonna yank the sponsorship they had ready for Gorilla. They're I like, know. Oh, he That's not on street. Yeah, fuck. Lost that opportunity. Golden opportunity lost. Um, Damn it. Just ridiculous. Now we we talk about the rest of the AFC South. I originally thought Pirate was going to be threatened for that division. He's had a little bit of a rough go after some forced losses. He's now three and four. He's dead last in the division but the jags and the titans are just above him 
Talk to you about that division. What else you see? We've got uh, Derek Henry, Koopa's special armbar master. Um, they're sitting at three and three. Papa at three and three is really impressive because I think once that team has able to add additional assets and talent, the the that's going to be a tough team to beat. Like I think the Jags are going to have a really good team moving forward. The fact that he's three and three in that division is quite a testament. I don't know what you think about that, McGee. Yeah, I feel the same way, and it's very impressive. And no joke. It depends on how my season goes in relation to him because if I have like a top five pick, he gets that because of the Ramsey trade. Mm-hmm. So if he has, he can kind of have the benefit of doing like a wild card push, but also have a top pick if I don't do well. So it really depends on a lot of different things for next year. But this year he's been very impressive. I think the Jags are probably the consensus worst team in terms of talent. At least that's how I took it because yeah. even if Giants had like a superstar in Barkley, but the Jaguars didn't really have anybody besides Minshew. Do you think anybody from that NFC AFC South makes the playoffs outside of Germ? I think Pirates always, uh, always a threat. Pirates a guy that can beat anybody at any time. Like you saw with Velasco in the playoffs a few years ago, where he beat his Lions squad pretty thoroughly in the playoffs. So I think Pirates there. And uh, besides that, I don't think the other two AFC South teams are ready just yet. But I think they could be next year. All right, excellent. Let's move out west as we continue to uh, wrap up things here. Gorilla, we've got the Raiders at one and six, Chargers at two and five, Broncos at five and two, and Goms Chiefs at five and two. Congratulations to Coach Zombie, who was on our first episode. He just dismantled the uh, the uh, sorry Cleveland Browns fifty nine to twenty. Um, Zombie laid zombie. a huge game, so he got his first win of the season. So congrats to him. Um, he's now one and six, as I mentioned. He's one game behind the Chargers for for a third place right there. What are you looking for in the AFC West to end the season? Um, Gorilla, what are you looking at? Um, I'm looking at a division that all four of these teams could, not necessarily this year, I think only the top two this year, but all four of these teams could be teams in Madden 21 that could make a playoff push at some point. Um, I think Josh specifically though because i know gom even told me this himself uh he does not play well against josh uh and josh seems to always have his number so funny enough that they're in the same division uh so i do see josh winning this division more so than gom but i do like uh well we got the other josh there too right Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we got we got the other josh i see him especially with that chargers roster and i think Hey man, I'm uh, I'm on the zombie hype train after that win, so I guess we'll see what he can do going forward. What do when you? So I wonder, does anybody play more Madden than Josh G? Is he like in seven or eight leagues? Holy he's shit! Like two different co- he's in the a console. He plays, too, he plays console, yeah. right? He's one of the few guys that I know that plays console and also PC. So he plays. I don't know if he's in that many. I just know there's a lot of leagues. I just know he plays God, a ton of Madden, where I don't know what the number is. I know most people are probably playing one, maybe two. Some guys play three. I don't know how you just manage to play that much and try to schedule it. Like, I think when you get into, like, the four or five range, I just don't know how you run a team and effectively try to, like, that's just a nightmare. And then playing with all the different player types. Because imagine you have Lamar in one league, and then you got a running back, and then you got, like, a... Like, I just feel like it's so hard to manage all that different play styles because you can't use the same playbook. You just, you're trying to memorize four or five different playbooks. I don't know, but you guys could manage that. I couldn't manage that. That'd be crazy. 
death a lot. Yeah. A testament too, though, to maybe him doing that is why he's so good at like decision making. Like I think you said he only has like four interceptions, right? Or he's he the does. number one. Yeah, he's TV. fifteen and four. Yeah. Lock, yeah. I think it's funny too that because of picking the Broncos out of spite, it actually opened up a team that he would never have looked at before, but it's actually like a great fit for him. Like if someone else didn't take the Raiders, he wouldn't have taken the Broncos, but the Broncos are a great team for Josh. Like they're built perfectly for what he likes to do. Mm. I feel like just Drew Locke's not super mobile, but he's like a better Mariota almost mm. in my opinion. Absolutely. I want to get you guys out of here on this. Cause this has been a topic everyone's been talking about in chat. People are kind of a little bit divided on in terms of the realism around it. Drops have been a conversation constantly we've got the drop police which has been everybody's been talking about you know who's been dropping a lot we've got guys that are up to you know 10 plus drops like mims is one example he's got 10 drops og howard's another one with 10 drops my question to you are the drops a product of just the sliders being lower or do you think people are trying to throw into coverage that's not always appropriate gorilla i'll start with you where do you think those drop numbers are because not everybody has those high volume. I do think there's a concern when someone like Julio Jones has dropped six balls because he's such a good player. But I do like the fact that some of the weaker players that are targeted so much are dropping balls because they're not great players to begin with. Gorilla, what do you think? Yeah, I think there's three main things to look at. I think a lot of those drops were during that drop glitch that was going on uh, last week, I guess it was. Yeah. Um, second thing, like you mentioned, uh, there's a lot of those, I don't know, like fast type low overall receivers that people are going to force feed to develop right i want to see them dropping balls because they should be dropping balls and when you see a guy like mims leading the league in drops it makes me happy to see that because if you're feeding a player that is not good yet that much they should be dropping them julio dropping six you could argue is a little bit concerning mm-hmm. um but other than that i don't see a huge issue with it and i do think I mean, we're all guilty of forcing balls into double coverage or forcing a ball that should never be thrown in the first place or sending a uh, hospital pass to a receiver and expecting them to hold <laughs> on to it. You know what I mean? We, we've all we've all done that a million times. And I, I think a lot of those should be dropped. So, I, I mean, you should be um, incentivized to make sure your guy is open before you throw it to him. McGee, what do you think about that? How does that play out for you? I feel pretty much the same way, although I will say I did notice, especially I think it was the game against Maloney's Bills, but uh, a lot of drops in the flat, no matter how open people are. Like, I don't know if that's just and that's, I guess, realistic because you see it all the time in real life. But it's definitely like you were hesitant to throw onto the flat, if, even if it's open, because they were just dropping everything. So I think Gorilla is absolutely right that a lot of times people will throw in a triple coverage like, oh, he dropped it as he gets like depleted. But I don't know if it's necessarily an issue we have to address. I think it's pretty good as is. Well, it's interesting because because of the drops and because of the numbers of people that I've been able to, I think the, the completion percentage is somewhat inflated because people have been using their running back way more this year than ever before. There are quite a few running backs that already have 40 plus receptions. And that would be usually saved for elite guys in that position. Like maybe your Shady McCoy back in his prime where they would catch that many balls, Christian McCaffrey types. Like the fact that you got guys like Joe Mixon, who's already got 43 receptions, that is 14 more than the next receiver on that team, I think goes to show you how much faith people have in their running backs passing the ball this year. Yeah, I don't even know if it's so much faith in their running back as like like not inspired confidence in the rest of their team. Like I know I'll throw to the <laughs> running back just because he's there rather than like, is this guy going to catch this? Probably not. And I'll just throw to Cam Akers. But again, I don't know if that's – I think it's more a Madden problem than it is like – 
an actual slider adjustment because I feel like people are always going to throw to their running backs no matter what. So it's their easy yards. Like you just can't you can't really cover a running back that easily because if you cover him user wise, you're leaving someone else way more important wide open. Gorilla, if I had to ask you right now, McGee can ask the same question. Of the top six players in receptions this year at AGS, how many are running backs? Top six. I'm going to guess and say half. I'm going to say three. Three? And what do you think, McGee? Three? Same. It's actually five. Oh, no. Ezekiel Elliott leads the league with 54 receptions. Joe Mixon's got 43. McCaffrey, 42. Mike Evans, 39, the lone receiver. Matt Breda, 39. And Saquon Barkley, 39. Oops. So that's incredible. Michael Thomas is tied for six with 39 as well. But that's a lot of running back action. And then if you go further down into the top 12, Kamara gets in there. uh, Cohen gets in there from the Bears. So you're seeing a lot of guys liking that check down if it's the the screen pass. I actually think the screen pass is actually more effective this matter than it was last year. Maybe you guys guys agree with that or no? I think think that's a huge reason why those numbers are up as well. And I think a lot of people like to sit in cover three. Mm, and you can take advantage of that yes and the the screen pass works well with that yeah so people are going to be checking down to uh to flat routes to screens uh angle routes like people are going to check down to those a lot more if people are just sitting in super soft defense Mm -hmm. i think another i know i certainly will people are starting to realize uh i know last year especially most the most common five wide set where there's no backs in the backfield is that one where the running back is out on the left. I don't know what the name of it is, mm-hmm. but last year you wouldn't see anyone throw to that receiver ever because it was the running back. But now this year you'll see him run actual routes that people throw to. I don't know if that's changed this year exclusively, but I noticed that because it used to be, I wouldn't even really bother looking at that guy when someone would come out in five wide, I wouldn't even really cover the running back unless it was wide open. Yeah. But now you'll see people go out there and throw two yard outs to try to get the ball in his hands. Because running backs are way more overpowered this year, I feel like. Like I feel like if you have a running back touch it, he has a decent chance to get 10, 15, 20 yards. It, it, not to not to we can transition a little bit from the running back to the receivers, but here's the most impressive stat probably of all. The fact that right now I'm looking at the numbers, uh Mike Evans, I told you, is top five in receptions this year. He has zero drops. So that's crazy. You look at some players, they're just managing to come up with those catches more often than not. And if we go back to the drop conversation, Mims, Howard, and John Ross are the top three in drops. And none of those players are elite. So I actually feel good about the fact that those guys are high. OJ Howard's a little bit high, but again, you, you do think about ball placement and where people are going in there. And you, as Gorilla pointed out, those hospital routes. So you're just trying to look in for something that's happened there that's going to be absolutely detrimental. Um, I'll let, I know I said I'd get you guys out of there in the last comment. I'll get you guys out of here in this. Um, fast forward to a week Sunday, a week from now. What do you think we'll be talking about a week from now? Again, we're going to have three more games in the books. Power rankings are going to come out tomorrow night, right when advance happens, our next updated power rankings with comments fully done. So you'll have that to look forward to. But I'm curious, what do you see? What are we talking about a week from now? Gorilla, let's start with you. Like just in general? Just in general. Like what, what are you taking away? What's, what's going to be the headline? Is it a team that's going to be taking us by storm? Is it um, like what? What? What do you think will be the headline within the context of the league going next week? I've got one one personal vendetta here, and I okay. hope I hope this is something that can uh, turn around. Is my Super Bowl pick for season one was Pirate? Now okay. you've really disappointed me, Pirate. Um, <laughs> lately, taking these forced losses, I want to see Pirate bounce back and win. I guess by next Sunday we'd have played at least two more games, right? Or three more games. Yep, I want to see him win all, all of them, all three of them. 
So when all three of those six and pirate, four, you're saying six and four is what you want to six and four pirate is what we're going to be talking about. Awesome. Okay, McGee, give me yours. I think the Buccaneers' new coach is going to be undefeated. I think he's going to end up probably like seven and three or eight and wow. three, and we'll be talking about that. Yeah, I think I can, he'll be the new NFC. I can see that. South favorite. I like that. He's but... he has a big game against MG right now, and if he beats MG here, it gets very very easy for him to win the division. So you so you think that there's a real chance that he could put some separation? I do. I think if you beat and... Gorilla in your if you beat Gorilla in your first game you're probably pretty good. And I've seen him in other leagues and I think he's going to be a real serious contender. So, so that's just my take. So you, you think that he's got all the makings to really be a threat and to really maybe leave his impact within that NFC conference there? Absolutely. Especially with the roster he has and the fact that he has some, like because he worked off to a good start, also building off a Tom start, you have some room so he can make his mistakes and not get knocked out of the playoffs. Like he can have his rough, welcome to AGS moment and still be five and four or six and three. So I think he's going to be really good. And I think that's what we're talking about. I think he's going to go three and zero in the next week. I'm going to go with the fact that I think we will have more, we will have more NFC East conversations about how loaded that division has become. I think teams are going to continue to win. I see at least all, I see at least three teams still with a winning record by the time next Sunday rolls around. So that would be probably my take. And I'm also going to say right here, and I can't see their schedule, but I just have a feeling I watched um, Papa play a few games, and I feel like he's got a chance to maybe get some some um, surprises here. So he plays the Chargers this week. I think he wins that game. I think he could beat Pirate in Week 9, and I think he may surprise people and beat Task in Week 10. So I'm going with a Papa Post six and three record come next Sunday. That's my that's surprise fair. there. So we'll see what like happens. It. But uh, I think there's every possibility that they could be a, a surprise team going on in the end. So, gentlemen, I want to thank you for joining us. We've been a little longer than half an hour, but it's always good to chat and be able to share your input and uh, enjoy all things AGS. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Enjoy your evening. Power rankings out tomorrow. Be sure to check on those. Take care. AGS out.